Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot of the women's empowerment kind of movement and message is, and I and I think it's a good first step, right? Like find your voice and speak up and all that stuff. I think I've always had a challenge with that because it's if it's not obvious, I don't really have a problem speaking up. So my question has always been like, there is no women's empowerment unless there is wealth in the hands of women. Period. We can talk all day about how having a voice is important, all that stuff, but people only started listening to me once they thought I had money. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. This is Janice, and you're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. Today's episode is how to crush your money goals with Bernadette Joy, money expert and founder of Crush Your Money Goals, a financial education and media company busting the myths of traditional personal finance to teach you how to pay off debt, save for what matters, and build real wealth. Shortly after getting married, Bernadette and her husband found themselves in six figures worth of debt, and they were able to turn it around and pay off $300,000 in just three years. We're going to talk about that in this episode, and we're going to dive into Bernadette's history with money, her philosophy around the women's empowerment movement, and why money needs to be part of that conversation, and much more. So if you want to find out how to crush your money goals, you definitely don't want to miss this episode. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. So Bernadette, welcome to the podcast. I am such a big fan. Thank you. Likewise. (laughs) Thank you. So let's start off by um, having you introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Bernadette Joy. I am the founder of Crush Your Money Goals. And Crush Your Money Goals is a financial education and media company based off of my experience where my husband and I paid off $300,000 of debt in three years, and we are scheduled to cross over our first million dollars of net worth in 2021. And my goal is to teach specifically women and BIPOC communities on how they can do something similar. Mm, I'm so here for that. And okay, first of all, there's so much in that little nugget of information that you just gave us. First of all, $300,000 in three years. We definitely have to talk about that. Um, But before we do, I would love to just say that you are one of my favorite content creators in the personal finance community because you're not just talking about like basic shit. You're not talking about like, oh, you know, um, let's just learn a little bit about money and and like just save a little bit and like budget a little bit. You're like, no, bitch, I want you to be a millionaire. Okay, (laughs) we're done playing small because playing small is obviously why us women are just like not getting fucking paid what we deserve, not making the type of money that we need to be making to live our best lives. And so thank you for like elevating the conversation because I think it's so needed. Oh my God. That, first of all, <laughs> you can't see my face, but I, my jaw just literally dropped. <laughs> and that when you said I'm one of your, because you're one of my favorite ones. So, you know, there's, there's definitely some mutual fangirling going on here. So, but <laughs> I, and you know what? I will say that, uh, this has been more of a journey. I definitely started off. I think we all have to start off somewhere, right? Of yeah. learning the basics, right? And four years ago, when I started this journey, like that is where I was, where I was like, let me just figure out how to save a little, how to invest a little, how to pay off debt a little bit. But the journey has been four years. And what I realized in the last year in particular is that I don't have to necessarily stay stuck to where I was in my past. I want to bring people onto the, my personal journey where I'm at. And that's just where I'm at now. Right. And so the hope is that by sharing this kind of next stage of my journey, which I hope will continue to grow is that people who have been following for some time, um, can see that it is in fact possible and it doesn't have to be as long and it doesn't have to be as boring. And we can talk about many things, um, around money and not just about, you know, interest rates and stuff. Right. Like I think, I think there is, it's such a layered conversation in money. And so I'm just happy to have a conversation. Yes. I love that. Okay. So, um, I'm going to assume this is probably 
you know, what they say about assumptions, but <laughs> for, <laughs> for someone who's like aspiring to become a millionaire, someone who's been able to like pay off $300,000 in three years, have you always been good with money? Mm, no, the answer is 100% no. So uh, I, you know, I tell my friends all the time. I mean, my friends who've known me since, you know, my whole life, like they know I was a fucking idiot, right? So like they can vouch, right? I will tell you, I distinctly remember, <laughs> this goes to show you how much I've grown. So 10 years ago, like literally 10 years ago, my husband and I, uh, before he was my husband, he I invited him to a birthday party of mine. Um, and I was in New York City. I was like, you know, as, you know, basic bitch New York City girl as could possibly be. And I remember waking up in, in my apartment that I clearly could not afford. Um, and there's just a bunch of like essentially dead bodies around. Like everyone was like, you know, wasted from the night before. Like, and I remember thinking like, where, how did I get here? And, um, and I remember looking at the bill from that night and it was close to a grand. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's normal, right? That's like a normal <laughs> night out, right? It was my birthday. Like, that's cool. No, I look back now and I'm like, what an idiot. Like who, like who told Bernadette back then that that was okay? And the the main reason that I, this is hundred percent true, why I sucked at money up until a couple of years ago was because I cared so much about what people thought about me Mm. that I literally was making myself go broke over it. Um, And so as much as this has been a journey about money for me, this has been a journey, sounds very cliche, but like about self-acceptance. And once I started giving a crap about what everyone else thought, interestingly, my money flow became way better too. Mm. That's super powerful. I don't think enough people like put um, or even take the time to do that kind of self-reflection to figure out like why they're spending money the way that they do. And so much of it is rooted in like the things we learn about money as as children and like from our families and all that shit. So I would love to know like what your parents taught you about money and how do you think that's played into how you kind of were moving in the world with it? Yeah, it's a, this is actually very fresh in my mind because I'm currently teaching a masterclass right now. And the first... Um, hour of the masterclass, I'm talking with 10 other women and we're all talking about, you know, why are we so messed up in the head when it comes to money? And every person that talked, it had something going back to our parents, right? And so for me personally, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm actually the eighth of nine children for my father. Wow. Um, Yeah. Right. So again, uh, and why this is, I think why this actually, I'm even like nervous talking about it is on social media, especially now, um, because some people have joined uh, my journey more recently. I've gotten comments every now and then of like, well, your, your view is super privileged and you're classist or whatever, right? Because I'm like talking about these higher level things in finance when in actuality, I am the eighth of nine children for, from an immigrant father who came from a third world country and he actually did do the like American dream, quote unquote, right? Like he moved to New York City. He, you know, I went to college. My, you know, all of my siblings went to college. Um, he became a CFO. And the the crazy thing was, despite that he did all that, it was like it, when it never felt like it was enough. 
And he was always like so stringent about um, money, but in the sense of showing people that we had it. I think mm. he had a lot of, you know, unraveling to do on the self-worth thing, which totally makes sense. You move to a country, you have to start from scratch. Like you're trying to, you know, build this, this future for your family and build a career and all that stuff. And you're just trying to prove yourself. Um, yeah. That's going to trickle down to your kids. And so um, I have a lot of complicated um, feelings about money and not all of it has been super positive. And, and so that's why in what I do, the first thing I talk about, you know, crush stands for different steps. It's the first thing in crush is cultivating a positive mindset towards money. Um, because I am still, I'm still working on that even, you know, doing what I do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. Like, I think there's so much pressure from, um, immigrant families to like show that the sacrifice of leaving home behind was like worth it. And so a lot of that shit manifests in like trying to look like you're the American dream, even if you can't fucking afford it. Yes. Yes. And Philippi so I'm Filipino. Okay. Oh my gosh, girl. Filipinos, we love to show off our <laughs> brand name, this, that, and the other. And I, um, you know, and again, what was weird about me is that I think I was always a little bit contrarian. Uh, I was never super into um, like high brands and stuff. I was definitely a little bit more eclectic, even when it came to like fashion or things I like to do. And my parents were always like, don't you want the nice thing? Like, don't you want it, the nice car? When I went to go buy my first house, they're like, don't you want a bigger house? I'm like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> no. And they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but, you know, then I realized, you know, a lot of that was cultural, but also, again, them trying to show that all of these sacrifices and both my parents, not all of their siblings moved to the U.S. Like my dad, out of nine siblings, only him and one other moved to the U.S. Like they wanted to prove to their families, like, look what we did. This is the reason we left our family behind. And it makes sense. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's so relevant. OK, so let's talk about the three hundred thousand dollars. Where did that come from? Um, it was a common it was a large portion of it was student loans. I got um, a master's degree, which was get this. It was a six figure master's degree that was completely online. This is like pre COVID. Wow. Um, and I still paid six figures, which like now I look in hindsight and I'm like, what? Well, again, what was I thinking? Um, and then it was a, uh, the mortgage on our house. And then because I thought I was going to be like Filipino HGTV star that we bought a another place that we could not afford <laughs> because it was like, oh yeah, let me like flip this or rent it out or, you know, whatever. And so we had $300,000 of debt after we had had literally no debt in less than a year. And, um, and my husband and I, there's just a reckoning moment one day where I was like, oh wait, how did this happen? Like when we got married, we had no debt. And two years later we have $300,000 of debt and we have no plan for this whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and the beauty of being married is that my husband was like, it's fine. Like everybody has debt. We're good. Like, and he was like, you're getting an MBA. Like you'll make your money back on that. I'm like, and will I though? Will I? Do we know this for sure? <laughs> so, so our initial plan was to, was super aggressive. It was literally just the student loans at first. Cause I was like, you know what? Fine. Pe most people do have mortgage debt. That seems reasonable. Um, but I do not like the idea of a 10 year student loan. So let's try to pay this ish off in two. 
instead. Um, and we just got so much momentum on the student loans that we ended up paying off in less than a year. So I graduated April of 2016 and it was paid off by November of the same year. And that is when I caught the bug. I was like, holy smokes, like, I didn't think that was possible. What else is possible? And then we paid off the rental property the following year. And the following year after that, we had a crossroads decision of, do we try to, you know, stick out this mortgage a really long time for our primary residence? Um, or we do have an opportunity if we get rid of this other property. Um, and at the time, like, I just wasn't about it anymore. I realized I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper. This is, <laughs> that was a pipe dream. Um, and so we decided to, instead of waiting another five years to pay it off, that we would uh, pay it off that year. And so we became like 100% debt free, including our home, like our primary home in, you know, when I was like 34. And I was thinking I would have, we would have to have our whole life to have to do that. And that was where the floodgates really opened up of, okay, a lot more things are possible than I thought. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's dive into the kind of first, I want to know like what that light bulb moment was for you that made you realize like, okay, this shit has got to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty vivid. It was actually, today would probably be my five-year anniversary of my mid or quarter life crisis. <laughs> uh, it was in January. It was sometime this month in 2016. And I was looking at 10 weeks left in my MBA program. And I was looking at my student loan situation because I was like, I have no idea how much I owe. I signed a dotted line. I really did not have a clue. Um, and I was 10 weeks away from graduation. And the scary part was that I went into my MBA program hoping I would have clarity around what I wanted to do career-wise. Um, and I spent two years in this MBA program and had 10 weeks left. And I was like, I still don't really know what I want to do. So that's that did not work out as I thought. And I was like, well, you know, it can't be that bad. I know I've been making some payments. And when I saw the balance, and at that time it was like 72000 I was like, wait, 72000 I was like, What? I did what now? And all I'm going to get in 10 weeks is a piece of paper and no job prospects. Uh, this, this is not good. And I cried. I just, it was so visceral of a reaction um, that, you know, this wasn't like, oh, well, let me crunch the numbers and, you know, I can figure this out. This is like, okay, I have no idea what to do, but it feels really shitty and I don't want to feel like this anymore. So um, I remember that day specifically because I was in my office and I was crying and I went over to my husband. And I was like, I really fucked up. The good news is if you ever meet my husband, he is the literal opposite of me where like nothing is on fire. And so he was like, it'll be okay. Like, you know, we can figure it out. Um, and so after I, you know, stopped having a meltdown, we a couple days later sat down and was like, okay, what would be potentially reasonable for us to do. And he was originally thinking, okay, maybe not 10 years, but five years. I was like, that still feels way too long, dude. And, um, and so we decided to try for two years and, and that's where it started. Wow. Okay. So I know a lot of people that are listening are probably like, okay, like, are you guys like big income earners? Like how the hell did you actually come up with the money? If you're ready to stop dreaming about a side hustle and start doing it, you need to join my digital course, The Ultimate Side Hustle Starter Kit. 
In this digital course, you're gonna be learning the A to Z's of what you need to do to start a profitable side hustle. I'm sharing all of the tips that I have used over the past eight years to build a six-figure side hustle empire, and I want the same for you. What could you possibly do with an extra $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 a month? Would you be able to pay off debt, build wealth, start investing, buy your dream home? You deserve all of that and more. And it's time for you to stop sitting on the sidelines and start making your dreams a reality. In my digital course, we'll be covering all the different aspects of what it is to build a successful side hustle. I'm gonna help you figure out what your side hustle should be, how to build it into your schedule, how to manage the financial stuff that comes with building a business, how to advertise yourself and market yourself, how to monetize yourself in different ways as a side hustle, how to get that entrepreneurial mindset going, how to balance your time, and we're even gonna be doing some live coaching. You get eight weeks of live group coaching with me. You get to join our amazing Slack community where you can hang out with me and all the other side hustle moguls that join the program. And let me tell you, that's probably my favorite part. You get a group of people that are cheering you on step-by-step, step, celebrating your wins and keeping you motivated to bring your side hustle to life. So if you're ready to pursue abundance and prosperity, and become a full-fledged side hustle mogul, join me at sidehustlemoguls.com. Our next cohort opens March 8th. So if you secure your seat before March 1st, you'll only pay our introductory price. Sign up before March 1st and get our amazing introductory price of just $497. My own students have told me that this price is too low, but I want you to sign up and invest in yourself in 2021. So join me today. Go to sidehustlemoguls.com before March 1st and secure your seat. The price will be double after March 1st. So if you're ready to get a great deal and start kicking ass with your side hustle, join me, sidehustlemoguls.com. I can't wait to see you there. Mm-hmm. So at that time, my, you know, and I'm, I don't, I'm not shy about the numbers. So at that time, my husband's salary was... 90k and I had quit my job altogether. I I was actually making more money um, than my husband at one point, but because I went back to school, I took a little side gig and I was making 30k. Mm -hmm. Um, So I mean, we didn't have no income, yeah, right. But you know, basically 120 ish thousand in our household, so like on average 60k ish. So it's not like we were making crazy money, but we weren't making like no money, yeah, as well and we decided something to start off with just very simply was let's rearrange our entire way of living um, such that we could just live on his salary first and then just kind of mentally allocate my entire salary or the amount of it towards the the student loans. So that's kind of where it came from. It was like, okay, so 36,000. So we're like, okay, let's just like mentally, like we didn't actually throw like my entire paycheck at it as in like, oh, literally that, that paycheck goes directly to like, but we mentally allocated that amount towards my student loans. And that meant like we had to figure out how to rearrange our whole lifestyle such that we were reducing our expenses by basically $36,000 a year because we were living off of both fully before that. And you were living in New York? We were at this time we were living in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, $120,000 ain't shit in New York City. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> Absolutely. I was, uh, we moved from New York City to Charlotte because 120,000 wasn't shit in, in New York, right? So at least it was a little bit more doable in Charlotte. But by that time, again, we had the two mortgages, we had two cars. So we had to figure out essentially how to make up $3,000 a month in order to do this. And there was some significant like slashing of stuff in, in the in the beginning, like we we went a little crazy. And, and this is why I think uh, if I could go back in time, although, you know, the results were good, it was definitely a little bit of crazy because we really severely cut back on a lot of things. Like, I mean, we cut as as much as possible in terms of we lived in a suburban neighborhood and we're like, OK, we're going to try doing this with one car, which like nobody <laughs> thought we would be able to do. Because uh, it's not like we can walk to anything. And um, we cut out like everything that was considered, you know, not necess necessity. Um, and that was a big shift for us because we were used to living at least somewhat comfortably, you know. And uh, what we figured out though, when we did cut all those things, you know, we cut out the extra car, we, you know, re looked at um, using credit cards, like we stopped using credit cards altogether, which was a really big behavioral shift. Um, we, at some point we, at, we had AJ's brother move in with us because we had an extra room in our house. And so that was a little bit of extra rent, but like a lot less privacy. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a lot of things that lifestyle wise, I would not have, I wouldn't have signed up for if it weren't for wanting to pay off these student loans so quickly. But in hindsight, when I look at it, it was crazy. And I would maybe have spread it out a little bit more just for like sanity's sake. But it made us realize also that we were living above our means and it wasn't necessary. And we could actually still be relatively happy and well-fed and still have a social life and do all those things um, without having to spend um, extra money. And so what was really cool was that after we paid off the student loans, we kind of kept going with that and it didn't feel like a loss. Hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, you've made some serious sacrifices. I don't know if I could ever let somebody move into my damn house to pay off some debt. I'll be like, you know what? It's not that serious. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Like in hindsight, I'm like, I, that's probably the one thing I probably wouldn't have done. Right. Like I still would have gotten rid of the car. Yeah. I still would have, you know, but like the, extra person in my house I'm like yeah like <laughs> no I would I would never do that again yeah no, it's amazing what like you'll tolerate when you have your eye on the prize so mm -hmm. I totally get it now one thing I did want to ask because there is so much debate around this topic did you stop investing while you were paying debt yes okay tell me why so and that was a huge topic um and it was a source of contention with uh, a lot of other friends and family and stuff too, because we were really open about our experience as well. And everyone's like, you're making a big mistake, blah, blah, blah. And my husband and I, we decided we we're going to do it because we knew we had a very specific timeline on the debt, right? So being the Asian nerds that we are, we actually did look that, at that from a somewhat mathematical perspective of, okay, we are going to stop investing in 401k, which my husband had. I didn't have a 401k because I was running my own business by then. Um, but we said, okay, we're not going to do anything in the 401k and IRA. But at that point that we decided it, we had like 18 months left. And so we were like, once the 18 months is up, though, 
whatever we've been putting towards the student loans, we are then going to put it towards the 401k instead. Yeah. So what that ended up happening when we looked at the math was that we actually weren't really losing anything um, in terms of overall um, investing uh, potential because the timeline was so short, right? So what I often tell people when people have that question is like, well, you should never stop investing to pay off debt. I'm like, I agree with you if you don't really care about paying off the debt and you're not really going to stick to it. However, if you have a um, timeline that is reasonable, and I would say usually like five years or less, if you if you build that discipline to pay off that debt and you commit that whatever you're paying towards debt that you're going to put into your investing afterwards, mathematically, it actually works out. <laughs> and yeah psychologically, you've built all these amazing habits. And so long story short, I kid you not, we, we, um, you and I have contributed to the same, um, the same publication. And I went to the editor with this because I said to him, I really want to write the story because people always ask me this question. And I explained to him the whole situation. And he came back, he didn't answer me for a couple of days. And I was like, Oh, no, I, I he's mad or whatever. And he came back, he was like, I haven't responded to you because I cannot have, I do not have a good reason not to publish this article because it is both mathematically and logically sound. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, all that to say is that there is some component of math that you would want to do if you make that decision. But um, I think it's blown out of proportion when people say like, you should never do one thing or the other. Um, I think you have to look at it, your personal situation and you have to be committed to whichever way you decide to do be committed to it because ORC people make the most mistake is they're like, well, I don't know if I should pay off debt or I don't know if I should invest. So let me just do nothing. That's where I think you make the biggest mistake. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's such a good point. And so now that you've been able to become debt free, what is your investing journey looked like? Have you been able to kind of, you know, push the pedal to the metal as they say? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I think I look at investing very differently from, again, some of the kind of level one stuff, I call it, is that, yes, I think 401ks, IRAs, you know, that kind of investing is a great place to start, right? So last year, my husband and I, we maxed out the 401k and both IRAs. Um, this year, we've already maxed out our, our IRAs. And, um, and that's the thing is that what I tell people is that if you don't have debt, there is literally nowhere else for your money to go but to invest if you have now built the discipline to realize like you don't want to buy all this other stuff you don't really need. So we have put away 31,500 towards investing last year when every year before that we barely did like five grand. Mm -hmm. um, and then the way that I look at investing is anything that is going to have a return on it um, that is going to be monetarily, obviously, a return, but also, do you actually really enjoy it? And for me, I don't inherently enjoy stocks and bonds and stuff, like, I, or, you know, the stock market, like, everyone's talking about GameStop and stuff. I'm like, I don't care, right? And for me, like, the things that I'm really passionate about is real estate and small business, and particularly supporting small businesses that are owned by women and BIPOC communities. And where we have really put the acceleration, my husband and I, is... I have a very specific goal of getting to a million dollars of net worth be simply because at that point we become accredited investors. And 
at that point, we are able to invest in things that the general market is not going to get access to. Um, and in particular for me, again, it's, and I was actually even just doing this research the last couple of days is, um, you know, how can I be involved in women owned venture capitalist firms, right? Or how can I mentor other businesses to help them grow their businesses? Um, that are underrepresented. And those are the things that I am really excited about, not only for the perspective that there is a potential large return on money, but it feels good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you're thinking like next level wealth because so many people focus on just like the goal of being debt free. And like, if you haven't been investing or like actively participating in building like wealth, you're not going to be able to do shit because your net worth at the end of the day is going to be zero, right? So what the fuck are you going to do with zero? <laughs> exactly. Right. And, you know, and, and I will say this, right. Is that I don't feel like, you know, my philosophy is in competition with other people. Cause there's a lot of voices in the personal finance space. Obviously I pay attention to a lot of them too. And, you know, a lot of my, a lot of the folks that I actually get really get along with, if you look at surface level, we would seem contradictory or in opposition. And I just hosted a, a, a masterclass with um, two other personal finance experts who are heavily, you know, who heavily push traditional investing, right? And I decided to have them in my masterclass because I want people to ex be exposed to a variety of opinions and you got to figure out which one resonates with you. Um, however, I think where I have found Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero.
that particularly women have been gravitating towards things that I've been talking about is because um, inherently those things like real estate and small business and supporting your community are things that women tend to have an interest in anyway, right? So um, I get this question all the time. I got three of them today, inquiries that were like, well, I feel like I should be investing but I don't know if I should invest in you know, the stock market or in this or that or whatever. And um, which one should I do? And the question really is like, which one do you actually like? Because if you invest in something that you inherently don't understand or don't enjoy, you're not going to want to do it. So once I figured out that I actually really enjoy real estate and that I really enjoy small business, the vast majority of what I have invested in last year. So my husband and I, we put away $143,000 last year in terms of investments. And I said 31.5 went towards, you know, retirement. The rest of it went towards small business and real estate. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Okay. So you mentioned that you have a business. Tell us about it. Yeah. So my my business, Crush Your Money Goals, uh, it's a financial education and media company. And it's essentially, you know, doing what we do, what you and I are doing right now. How can I help spread the word that generational wealth is not limited to the old white finance pros, right? Um, And it really didn't occur to me until last year that me and you, right, for example, like, there is so much talk about innovation, which within finance and technology, and those are the two industries that I came from. Um, And it really didn't dawn on, dawn on me until last year that you and I just showing up and having this conversation right now is an innovation in and of itself. Oh, absolutely. In this space, right? Um, and just as an example, I found out yesterday that I was, you know, nominated for an award in like the fintech industry in my in my city in Charlotte. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but when I look back at the last twelve winners of different awards over the last couple of years, there was literally one female out of all of those, right? And I decided, right, that I don't have to have this like crazy new technology or this new app or something that, you know, is really heavily focused in what a lot of other people are doing in this finance and tech space. I can show up with a fresh perspective on finance and that in of itself is an innovation. And so this year I've really focused on honing my message of how can I make Um, learning about money and growing your net worth, uh, actually fun, not so fearful, relatable, um, humorous, uh, and also sometimes controversial, right? Like I, I've some lately I've been starting to really open my eyes of, okay, there, as much as we talk about personal accountability and finance, there is still a lot of barriers, particularly again, for women in BIPOC communities that exist, that we can't, we can't pretend that they don't, they're not here. Um, and that in of itself, like I said, is an innovation because a lot of people aren't willing to talk about it. So I'm glad that I get opportunities like this to talk with you because we're going to lay that shit bare. (laughs) Yes, we are. And you're so right. It just feels like you have to ask yourself or you're like second guessing, should I talk about this? But it's like, it's our fucking reality. Like Mm -hmm. it's not the same when you're a white woman in America or you're a black woman, or you're an Asian, like it's all different. And so like to try and put this blanket prescription of what personal finance has traditionally been on our lives without taking the cultural implications into account or collective experiences, like it feels really fucking tone deaf and I'm over it. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you in this is that I the I think the reason that I have personally been gun shy about it in the last two years is because I'm still trying to figure out what my identity is. Mm. And I sometimes feel like I'm in this weird space because I'm Asian, right? And so we're like, Whole we're the model quote, minority quote, thing. Yeah, we're the model minority. And we're like, people are like, well, aren't you good at math anyway? Well, oh, well. <laughs> And, um, and so, you know, there was a part of me that was like, do I even have a right to talk about any of this stuff? But, um, again, like a lot of people don't know the story of my immigrant family background. Like they don't know a lot of the things that I have, that I've personally had to experience as well. And here's the thing, like, I don't ever deny having had privilege in my life too. Right. Like I, I inherently believe that anyone who lives in the U.S., generally speaking, has a certain level of privilege because we can look at a lot of other countries and realize very different here. Um, but uh, I have been a lot more outspoken about specifically white privilege in finance and tech because I grew up in those industries. And it only dawned on me recently that it is, I, mean, I know this sounds like so obvious, but I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of white men. <laughs> And the reason I came up with this uh, this thing was that I last year I had a cl- a corporate client that wanted to hire me to help them do what I do, which is you know content and education around finances. And he didn't take my word for it until I gave him a reference of another old white man who I worked for, you know. And uh, and so I realized that a lot of that exists. Um, and at first I was really angry about it, but now I'm like, this is the reality that we're in. How can we not only, yeah, we can be a little bit upset about it, but really what are the solutions around it? And I think one of the solutions that we have is simply showing up. Yes, absolutely. Even if you get a couple no's, like you still have to push through because the message is too important to let one pendejo, like just get in your way. That's it. <laughs> I don't understand Spanish, but I have I have a good idea what that means. So yes. yes. <laughs> Pendejo is just like anybody who really just doesn't fucking get it. And we don't have time for that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so one message that I love that you push, one of many, is that it's time for us as women to like own our shit. It's time to stop deferring these really important financial decisions to the men in our lives because that shit's not serving us. And the reality is that these guys don't know what the fuck they're doing either. <laughs> so like, why are we relying on them to make decisions that are going Im- to uh, impact your whole life? Yeah, yeah. You know, I would love to say that that was like an aha empowerment moment for me. (laughs) But the reality is that over the last year, I have had so many conversations with women who have, to your point, essentially deferred to the men. And none of those situations came out good, right? So and unfortunately, in some cases, it was, you know, as extreme as like the husband passed away, right? And it wasn't that the, it wasn't even like anyone was malintentioned, literally like he just wasn't there anymore. Um, And then in some cases too, I've had a lot of women who've gone through divorce or there was one situation where a woman like, you know, the husband cheated on her and she was the one who still ended up broke. And I was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) This is bullshit. And we can't let this keep happening. And I think what I have had some um, challenges with in the past is that a lot of the women's empowerment kind of movement and message is, and I, and I think it's a good first step, right? Like find your voice and speak up and all that stuff. I think I've always had a challenge with that because it's, if it's not obvious, I don't really have a problem speaking up. So um, my question has always been like, 
you know, there is no women's empowerment unless there is wealth in the hands of women, period. Like we can talk all day about how having a voice is important, all that stuff, but people only started listening to me once they thought I had money. And that's just the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's so real. Oh my God. <laughs> Like I've been saying, this is what I told my friends. Cause like some of my friends are like, dang, you're like real emboldened lately. I'm like, girl, I've been this way the whole time. Is it, except when I'm a 25 year old broke ass girl buying tequila shots and nobody care about my opinion. <laughs> right now people think I'm close to a million dollars. Like, Oh, she must have something important to say. Let's listen. It's funny how that happens. Right. Yes. So I would love to know, like, what is your ultimate like vision or dream for women of color to achieve when it comes to like their financial wholeness and wellness? So there's this thing that's been, I'm going to actually test it out with you. So, um, cause it, this has been ruminating in my, in my brain for some time, right? Which is how do we build this idea of net self-worth? So there's this whole idea of net worth, right? And we know what that is because we're on a money podcast. <laughs> and then there's this whole idea of self-worth, Right. And how do you find the balance between the two of those and learn how to be happy with both? That is like my dream for women of color specifically, because I will tell you, I actually know I have clients who are legitimately already millionaires, right? And what I think is super interesting is that I've had several um, of these people who, <laughs> again, I'm kind of ballsy. Like I went to some of these women, I'm like, you need to take my money class. And they're like, Bernadette. I'm like, okay, I know, I know. You're already rich. I get it. <laughs> you Actually, you have more money than I do. I'm fully aware of this. But my question is, you already have the net worth that a lot of people are hoping for, and yet you're not 100% happy. What's going on? And so some of these women have come through my program already and they're like, oh my gosh, I've had these aha moments of I'm really not using my money to things that really matter to me. And I'm still on this train of, of trading my time for money mm. because that is how we've always been measured on whether or not we're worth anything, right? Is if we're working for someone or that we have a big job or a big title, or even if I'm the owner of my company, like I still have to show up every day to the company and trade in my time because like, that's what we do, right? Um, and so I would love to, and I'm still unraveling it, but I am uncovering the layers of how can we figure out what is truly enough in terms of money and how do we then translate that enough both into our net worth and our self-worth? That's that's kind of my big dream. Damn, that's such a powerful question because when you ask somebody like how much is enough, I mean, the answers will be all across the spectrum just based on like where you are and kind of what your life goals are, I guess. But I, you know, and then there's so much data around like once you get to a certain salary and I think it's like $75,000, like anything more than that is not correlated with any additional happiness. And right. So much of that, it just sounds fucking weird, but I can also attest to that because I was like convinced that if I started making six figures, I'm like, yes, I'm going to be one happy bitch. I'm going to be living my best life. And I was just like, no, I just got more money to fucking throw away because I have no idea where it's going. I'm not using it in a way that's like serving. The, I'm not using it in a way that's honoring the amount of fucking time that I'm spending to earn it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That is so good. I'm, I forgot that I'm on your podcast. First. I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. Tell me more. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I had to reframe like how I was just thinking about the effort behind 
the numbers. It's like serious. It's serious. Yeah. And, you know, what I think is really tricky about money, too. And again, there's so many forces around this, but something that's been kind of swirling around in my mind even recently is, you know, that, you know, that old fable of like King Midas with the golden touch, right? Like that he, you know, turns everything into gold. Like, I think there is definitely that syndrome. And again, especially with women and not just like when it comes to career, but you know, the like the whole idea around self-care, like, and you got to take care of your family and you got to look awesome and you got to have a banging body. Right. And in this like pursuit of trying to turn everything into gold, are we actually really starving ourselves to death? Like that's kind of the thing that I've been really thinking about lately is that, and even for myself, I am trying to be very careful to not cross over that myself because I, I, I thought same thing. You know what? When I pay off my $300,000 of debt, I'm going to be one fucking happy bitch, right? And I was, right? For a good like week or so. <laughs> and then immediately I was like, well, what's next, right? Oh, yes. It's always at what's next. And, um, and so what I want to really unlayer for, again, specifically women of color is coming up with the, you know, that vision of what is truly enough. And are we going to be disciplined enough at the point that we get to that enough that we are willing to, you know, kind of reverse, go reverse meaning, right? Like, just like we, if you want to lose weight, for example, you got to have the discipline to um, stop eating after you feel full. So like, at what point are you going to feel full when it comes to money? Right. Oh my gosh. Listen, if you find that the answer, let me know because I'm still trying to figure that shit out. <laughs> I'm saying this shit out loud right now. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is- <laughs> I have no good answers for it. Well, and you know, I think our hustle mentality, like as women of color, like it just plays into this. We're always like in that scarcity mindset, like waiting for the bottom to drop out. So it always feels like you can't get comfortable. And that's like toxic as fuck. So I think a lot of the stuff that we got to work through to get to where you want us to be is definitely starting with the mind. I agree. I agree. I was I was sitting in one of my um, coaching groups this week and, you know, it's this group. Again, we're all trying to learn how to hustle. Right. I hired a coach to really teach me how to because I, I can't stand doing sales. I can't like in my heart of hearts, like I love doing the the financial education piece of it. I don't like the monetizing part of it. Right. And so in this discussion, and everyone in this group, super smart, super talented. And the whole discussion was like, okay, you know, I'm so scared to launch this, you know, new program, or I'm scared to launch this business or this new podcast or whatever, because what if nobody listens? What if nobody comes, right? And there was a point where I honestly was like, and this is on Zoom, right? So I had to unmute myself and I was like, all right, ladies. <laughs> and they were, they were like looking like, okay, Bernard, that's about to drop some sort of hammer. And I was like, I get it. We're scared. I'm scared as fuck too. But I think one thing that I had an advantage over in this group was that everyone else was a first time business owner. Um, and I had already failed at another business before doing this. I had a company, it was called Dress. It was like a local rent the runway. It like totally flopped. Right. And so I had to tell them, I was like, I get it. The worst case scenario that I could have imagined, in fact, happened to me, which was like, I literally had to shut down my baby business. Um, it was there for three years. I had to email, you know, 5,000 people and tell them that the business no longer existed. 
Um, I felt like a total freaking loser. And I spent three months like under a weighted blanket with, uh, you know, red wine and being like, what have I done? But guess what? That was 2019. And 2020, I decided, okay, I'm not doing that anymore, but I'm going to start this company called Crush Your Money Goals. I have no idea how this shit's going to go. And out of that, like, worst failure in my life came about this business. And not only am I more monetarily successful at this, but I'm actually doing what I really care about, which again, sounds so cliche. And I get to meet like badass people like you. Mm. And that wouldn't have happened if I was willing to get out of my own way. And so I think a lot of two set to your point is the conversation needs to be had of like, we need to stop getting out of our own way. And yes, there are systemic issues. There's definitely racism. There's definitely politics. There's definitely a lot of shit that is not in our favor, but we can't control that shit, but we can control the narrative that we're telling ourselves. Preach. I'm here for it. Uh, the glow up is so real. I'm, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So would you share your money mantra with us? Ah, uh, you know what? I had a different one um, even two days ago, but I've been on again. I've been on this this train of of thinking about like what is our limited stuff. And today, I my money mantra is "I am enough." Ooh, yes, that's it. Period. Exclamation point. Underline. Highlight. Bold. Whatever. That's it. And I and I'm I'm saying that today because. I'm realizing this is me talking to myself. If anyone follows me on Twitter, I love every time you like one of my Twitter posts because it makes me feel like, okay, that was a good one. <laughs> um, but, you know, I use Twitter as like my little like playground of just like my thoughts. And my Twitter is always just me talking to myself. Me too. <laughs> right? Yes. I got that from Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm not going to lie. I totally stole that from him. Yeah. I literally am just giving myself pep talks on Twitter and uh, out in public. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because for me, on Twitter, I have like very, I have a very small Twitter following. So I'm like, whatever. Right. And, um, and today, you know, I'm really thinking about this. I am enough because until I decide that I'm already enough as is, no amount of net worth is going to, is going to fix that. Mm. Right. So as long as I'm enough now, then everything else is just gravy. Yeah. I would love to know, like, how you're actively, on that journey, like, what are you doing to find the answer to that question of like, when is it enough? Yeah, um, I'm on this very cliche, uh, like, eat, pray, love kind of situation going on right now. Like, uh, my husband and I, yeah, we literally decided that we needed to have a change of scenery. Also, you know, all the COVID stuff was making us a little bit crazy. So I'm sitting here right now in um, a, a, a small condo in the middle of the mountains, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, because I was like, let me remove all the noise, like literally remove all the noise. Um, and again, I'm in a financial situation that I can do that. If you asked me three years ago, could you just pick up your shit and leave and like just buy a place and like deal with stuff later? Because like our house that's pay paid off, like it's just sitting there. And so many people asked us, well, what are you going to do? You're going to rent it out or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> And the reason I don't know is because I don't have to do something just yet. We have the cushion, we have the savings, we have, you know, it's the house is already paid off. So there's not a lot for us to have to do there. And so instead of, uh, again, always thinking about, let me trade more time for money. Let me trade more time for money, make more money. I'm like, let me use the resources I already have and give myself some space to figure this out. So we physically moved our uh, place. We've been continuing to downsize stuff. Like I'm on, I'm definitely on that minimalist kick right now. Like everything's going. And I 
Uh, I've really decided this year to level up both the people around me and the conversation being had with the people who are there. Mm. Uh, that has been the biggest shift. I uh, Last year in 2020, I when stuff was really going down, like around in May, um, I reached out to three women who I like was acquaintances with, but I didn't know super well. And, uh, and I just admired them. Right. And they're all like, again, wealthier, way smarter, like way cooler <laughs> than me. And I just emailed the three of them and I was like, I know you guys don't know each other. Um, but I've like secretly been stalking all of you. And I would love if we just had one meeting to share any ideas and how, like how we might be able to help each other out during this like crazy time. Um, that was the singular best decision I ever made in 2020 because they have become my tribe. Um, and the conversations that we're having are elevated, not just be like, yeah. And we do talk about fun stuff also, but a lot of our conversations are like, you know, what can we do to help other women? What can we do to elevate ourselves? You know, like we'll, we'll text each other and be like, I hit a brick wall today and I feel like shit. And here's why. And I've never been able to have that deep level of conversation in a weird way. The pandemic made that happen. And that made me realize that I think I set the bar low in terms of the depth of relationships I was capable of having. Um, so that has singularly probably been the best thing, which is leveling up the women around me. That's so important. And I've had this exact same experience in 2020. And I think, you know, so many people were craving connection, obviously, because we're all freaking locked in our houses. And I have made some relationships this year through social media that I'm just like, holy shit, where were you when I was like on this journey by myself, being the first person entrepreneur in my family, like not knowing what the fuck's going on. Now I have a sounding board of amazing women who get it, right? Because it's like, when you're doing all this stuff that people just can't relate to, it can feel really first, like who the hell am I to be doing this? So the imposter syndrome starts kicking in. And then you really don't have like a sounding board to like bounce ideas off and just get inspired. So I think it's super important. And I would mention, you know, I did. And, you know, if you want for, you know, people who are listening, if you want like a small way to do that is like, it's just as simple as curating your feed, right? Like, I, I think I, I only follow like a hundred accounts now or something before it was like, I don't know, 3000 or, you know, whoever followed me, I was like, let me follow them back. Right. And I just like cleaned house one day. Right. And now I'm seeing the people and the voices and the opinions that like, I really enjoy like you being one of them. Like every time I see a post from you, I'm like, oh my God, it was about to be something real good. Um, when before it was like, okay, it was a lot of baby pictures and like a lot of like, okay, what's going on with the Kardashians? Because I was, I, you know, con full confession, like I was totally into like reality TV and shit before. Me too. And <laughs> now I'm like all the, the, like today I'm like looking at my feet. I'm like, let me learn more about, you know, the OG GameStop situation that happened in 1919. <laughs> like that's what I'm reading on my Instagram feed today. And that is a low-key way to up-level the information that you're getting without having to, like, necessarily cultivate completely new relationships. Plus, people on social media are – I know social media gets a lot of bad rap, but you and I would not have met if not for IG, mm -hmm. right? And there are so many amazing people that I've had real, like, genuine conversations with on um on on instagram in particular and a lot of people think it's like super fake or super superficial but if you connect with the right people and people who want to genuinely support each other it's actually an amazing thing to be part of absolutely one thousand percent agree with you on that okay so one last question before we wrap this up 
What advice, based on your experience, would you give to someone who's ready to get control of their finances, but is just overwhelmed with how to start? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... My answer uh, maybe a year ago would have been like, well, follow me on da 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 right? But like <laughs> the the thing that I figured out that is completely different from where I was at the beginning of my journey is, you know, DIYing is a good place to start. But five years later, after I did the whole DIY thing, if you can find someone who you really resonate with and you really feel like aligns with you personally and philosophically when it comes to money, get that person to help you. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest messages that I have, especially in 2021. There are too many, again, women who are trying to do this shit completely by themselves. And um, why do it by yourself when you can do it um, with someone who actually knows what they're doing? To me, it's kind of like sex, right? It's like, you could try to do this shit by yourself, but it's way more fun to do it with somebody you like. Yes. <laughs> And somebody that knows what they're doing. And somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing, right? So don't try to have sex with yourself. Try to, you know, make this actually really exciting. And so that's how I look at, at finances now. If I could go back in time, I probably would have saved myself a year and, and so a lot of heartache if I had been willing to let someone in on that journey with me. <laughs> I love it. This is the best way to end the podcast. Uh, <laughs> don't have sex with yourself, guys. All right. That's the takeaway. I'm going to make that literally like the snippet that we intro the episode to. <laughs> oh my gosh, Bernadette, as always, it is such a pleasure interacting with you and introducing you to my audience. So for folks that want to find out more about you and follow your journey, where can we find you? Sure. You can find me at crushyourmoneygoals.com and on all social media at Bernadette Joy. Thank you so, so much for your energy, for your time. You are such a badass and I just can't I can't rave about you enough and I am rooting for you and your success. And again, if you find out the answer to what is actually enough so that we can all chill the fuck out a little bit, please let us know. We're going to have to have you back on the podcast once you get that answer. We will, I, I, it's just going to be like a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. I hope this conversation has you feeling super inspired and ready to kick some ass when it comes to reaching your money goals and not just reaching them crushing them. I really love Bernadette's view on how important it is to link the women's empowerment movement with financial wealth and independence for women because money is power. And if we want ours, we got to have the money to back it up. Let's amplify our voices, build wealth and change the world. So until next time, stay inspired, stay empowered and stay poderosa.
the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 